All right, get your Bibles open to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. We're kicking off a brand new series I'm really, really excited about. Do you guys like that cover? I, I love that the art on that cover. If you've ever been at a great party where someone is a wonderful host, you know that the secret to being a wonderful host is that you create or you prepare a place for people to gather where they feel comfortable, where they feel welcome, where they feel at ease, where they feel honored, where they're well taken care of. Sometimes it's the table setting and the tablecloth and it's the food that's been prepared. It's the fellowship that happens. Um, I was just at a wonderful party over the weekend and um, the hostess said she never invites more people than she has room around her table because she doesn't want everybody walking around making small talk. She wants everybody to sit around and have great talk, deep talk, friendly talk, get to know one another. And I thought that was so amazing, that the preparation that had gone into creating this event. And everybody there connected at a deeper level. It was amazing. How many of you think at church on Sunday and at our gatherings throughout the week, we should be very intentional about how do we host the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit? How do we create an environment where He loves to be with us? And here's the problem. If you go to Acts 19, we could go a lot of different directions with this passage because it really highlights the fact that there is a powerful baptism of the Holy Spirit that God wants to do in the lives of believers, whether it's at their initial conversion or after their initial conversion. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism to equip us to do the work of the Lord and to do the ministry of the Lord. How many of you think to, to do what Jesus did, we need to have the Holy Spirit, just like he had the Holy Spirit? And we need to be moving and overflowing in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be intimate with the Holy Spirit like Jesus was if we want to see the same impact that Jesus had. So when you get to Acts chapter 19, first two verses, it says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast. And I want you to see here, it says he found several believers. King James Version says disciples. How many of you know these are followers of Christ? They're lovers of Jesus. They're people who have encountered the Lord. They're disciples, they're believers. And he asked them this question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Look at what their response was. No, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, I've talked to a lot of you since you came to Living Stones, and many of you are coming from church backgrounds or faith backgrounds where the Holy Spirit is absolutely the, the forgotten member of the Trinity. One dear lady said to me, she said, I didn't even know the Holy Spirit had a church. Now think about that for a minute, the tragedy of that statement. She said, we never heard messages about the Holy Spirit. We never heard his name mentioned in the church. We never, we never focused on his ministry at all. In fact, the Holy Spirit was just kind of skipped over. In fact, a lot of you came from churches, please hear me, where you had a different trinity. You had the Father, you had the Son, and you had the Holy Scriptures. Think about that for a minute. Now, please hear me. You're not going to go to a church that has a higher view of Scripture than Living Stones. There might be others with equally high view of Scripture, but how many know we love the Word of God and we believe the Word of God? But think about this for a minute. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. The Bible is not God. The Bible was written to point us to God. The Bible was written to reveal the heart of God. It was, it was the promises of God. It was the character of God. And, and, and please hear me, we're not meant to try to go through life and live a Christian life with, without the word of God to guide us. And doctrine's important. Please hear all that. But how many of you know the Bible should not replace the Holy Spirit ever? In fact, the Bible, apart from the Holy Spirit, can kill people. 
People use this as a sword to kill people. Be people. How many ungodly husbands, for crying out loud, have used the Bible to beat their wife? You need to submit to me, woman. That's what I'm talking about. How gross is that? Guys, let me just remind you, whenever you have to start quoting Scripture on your wife, you've already lost the battle, all right? <laughs> Women, I should have got a little bit stronger response from you on that one. All right. Because if you were and I were living out the Christ of the Bible, we wouldn't have to lecture our wife in the first place. But that's for marriage class. Jerry, I, mean, I don't want to get to marriage class. <laughs> the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who is God. Why is it that we're so, we've, 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 we've had a conversion, we believe in salvation through Christ, we've been water baptized, we've heard messages on the Holy Spirit, but let me ask you this question. If, 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 I, if I went to a marriage class for the rest of my life and listened and read all the books, but I never got married, how much about marriage would I really know? I see some of you guys going, yeah, not much, Pastor. <laughs> That's exactly right. Let me tell you this. I hear this from pastors all the time. I went off to seminary. I studied the Bible. I learned Greek. I learned Hebrew. And then I actually became a pastor. Why didn't they teach me how to pastor anybody? Because leading people and dealing with the challenges of a local church is different than studying doctrine in a seminary. Let me tell you something else. Reading about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your Bible is different than knowing the Holy Spirit and having an encounter with Him. And I say, well, Pastor, we shouldn't be seeking experiences. Where did you get that terrible theology? How many of you know if you have had an encounter with Jesus that's real, your life should look different than people in the world who don't know God? In other words, there, there's an experience that changes you. This is why I remember when Mary and I were first married and God challenged us. He told us to give everything we had in our savings account. Now, don't anybody get overwhelmed. It was everything. It wasn't much, but it was everything. I still remember it. It was about $1,600 to somebody back at Livingstone's that had a need. We emptied our bank account. <laughs> I mean, you know, when your bank account's low, it's like, what? hey, we're already on the edge. Let's go closer to the edge. And we were newlyweds. We didn't have two nickels together. We were in love, but we didn't have two nickels to rub together. And God blessed us supernaturally within the next week with a job opening. And they told me, here's the, here's the top of the salary. That's the top where we're going. And they went above that twice as much as what we had just given. Now, how many of you know it doesn't take a, a fool to figure out that was God doing something? I've never forgotten that. Because you know what? I experienced God. I experience God. See, you need to move in the supernatural. Why are people leaving the church like crazy? I'll tell you why. Because the church is just a religious social club. Most churches don't need the Holy Spirit to even stay alive. Can I just tell you something? we got to be like Moses. we got to be like God. We're not going anywhere unless you're with us and you're moving ahead of us. If you're not going, we're not going. If you're not here, we don't want to be here. We need you. And so this is why... I get excited about taking a massive step of faith in uncertain times because all the emphasis is on God. 
and on his power. And at the end of the day, what we get to do is say, hey, there is a God on planet Earth. There is a God who is alive in America. There is a God who is alive in Crown Point, Indiana. There is a God who is alive inside of me. That's the burning, the fire, the passion that comes with knowing Jesus and being transformed by the Holy Spirit. How can we keep faking it? How can we keep faking it? with no tangible personal encounter with God that keeps us moving forward. There, there should be a hunger in us. How many of you know, I shared this before, I am a finite person. If you ask me, Pastor, should you, are you hungry for God? Yes, I'm hungry for God. I want more of God. I, do you know the Holy Spirit? Well, yeah, I know Him. I want to know Him better because I'm finite. I, I am so needy. And there's so much of God to be experienced. So he waits sometimes for us to want him, to pursue him. Listen, when we get together in worship, if we're literally setting the table for the Holy Spirit to come, and you know God inhabits the praises of his people, there's something tangible that happens, not when people sing religious sing-along songs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of those, you know, please hear me, I'm not making fun of or, or dissing the hymns at all. But I could sing some of those hymns, first four verses, without even thinking. I got them in my, they're memorized. And it doesn't mean that the hymn's bad. It means I can be disconnected from what I'm singing and not experience the depth and the power of those words. We never want to get to that place. When we are singing, there should be such a focus on honoring the Holy Spirit, such a focus on on God, we want to encounter you right now. Lord, speak to me, even as I'm worshiping. How many of you come here to church on Sunday morning with burdens on your heart, challenges, things going on in your life? Come on, wave at me. We're, we're going through life, right? Where do you think God wants to encounter you and encourage you? At the place of worship. So that's why I'm just not, you know, standing there doing one of these respectful, you know, fold my hand. <whistles> like we're singing the national anthem. We're not singing the national anthem. We're singing to the Lord. We're releasing our affection out of our heart to the Lord. When we're singing these songs, think about what you're singing. That's why we want to sing good songs, Christ-honoring songs, because we, we want to magnify, we want to create a place where the Holy Spirit says, man, I'm going to come and hang out in the, among those people. Because listen, that's when church gets exciting. That's when God starts doing awesome stuff that only God can do. And that's when religious people get nervous. Because we're so used to him not showing up that when he does, he makes us nervous. Listen, the Holy Spirit, you should not ever be familiar with the Holy Spirit, but we should be comfortable. Familiar means you treat him like everybody else. Comfortable means when he shows up, you don't freak out. Because you, you know how he moves and you know what he loves to do and you know that he's powerful and you know that he's awesome and you know that he's unpredictable and you're okay with it. Because all that, really, you know, we sang that song today. It was a good, good call again. God deliver me from all those religious tradition. Now, tradition is good. Please hear me. Tradition is good. But when we're caught doing the same stuff and the heart's gone from it, it becomes dead religious tradition. God does not like religious tradition when there's no passion in it, when there's no life inside of it. So let's get back to pursuing the Lord and not being like the Pharisees. You know, when I got a quote here, a good quote from R.A. From, uh, Torrey, second 
president of uh, Moody Bible Institute right up the highway. Listen to what he said. If the Holy Spirit is a divine person and we do not know him as such, then we are robbing a divine being of the worship and the faith and the love and the surrender to himself, which are his due. Isn't that good? In other words, if we don't treat the Holy Spirit like God, we don't love him like we love God, and we don't honor him like we honor Jesus, we don't obey him, uh, we don't have passion for him, and he's God, how many of you know we're doing God a great disservice through our ignorance or through our neglect? When Jesus said another counselor is coming, and in, in, in John chapter 14, that word another means one just like the one he is replacing. In other words, when the Holy Spirit shows up, he's just like Jesus. In fact, he reveals Jesus to us. So we shouldn't get worried. In fact, remember what Jesus said. Crazy. It is better for me to leave. Now, if, if I ask most Christians today, would you rather have the Holy Spirit or would you rather have Jesus showing up at your church on Sunday in, in the flesh. 99.9 would go with Jesus in the flesh when Jesus said, it is expedient, it is better for me to go because what is coming is better. So we could either have Jesus on the front row, which let me just say would be awesome, <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> or you can have the third member of the Godhead inside your being. Like, if Jesus were here, there would be a line to talk to him. The Holy Spirit is here, no line. If Jesus were here in the flesh and you had a crisis in the middle of the night, you'd have to try to find him. But if Ron Johnson has a crisis in the middle of the night, God is inside of me, as close as my heart beat. And if I'll be still myself, I have immediate access to God. 24-7, 365. Now just think about what I just said. How many of us stop to think that God chose to take residence inside of you? <laughs> and if we just, okay, so when you're ready to lose it, and the fingers are starting to point out out of your hand at the stop sign or whatever that person pulled out in front of you. <laughs> Don't you think that would be a time where you would be so much more focused on honoring God inside of you, the Holy Spirit, than flopping out into your flesh and acting like a pagan? If you knew, or how about this? What if Jesus was just attached at the hip everywhere we went? You Forget it. I mean, that would be helpful, wouldn't it? A constant reminder that I can't act like everybody else. I, I need to let the Lord transform my heart. Well, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. What an incredible deal. Take a look at this. If we want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, how many know we have to change our language? You can't talk about the Holy Spirit as if he's an it. Because he's not an inanimate object. He's also not like Star Wars, may the force be with you. May the Holy Spirit be with you. Many, many of us have gone through our lives, we know there's a Holy Spirit, but we just can't quite get our brains around Him. 
We know, like the Bible says, He intercedes for us. We know that the Holy Spirit helps us to open our eyes to understand Scripture. We know all these things. We know the Holy Spirit's supposed to be, you know, praying and, and all that kind of stuff. But how much real encounter do we have with the person of the Holy Spirit to where we're sure that all that's happening because we know Him and we're walking with Him? Or are we just believing certain Bible doctrines or truths that we heard about but we have no experience in? Everybody know what I'm talking about? So much of what you read about the Holy Spirit, we should be saying, I want to experience that. Can I challenge you with another thing? You never want to let your lack of experience determine your theology. When you read your Bible and you read through the New Testament and you read the life of Jesus and then you get to the book of Acts where it says this is a continuation of the Acts of Jesus, it, shouldn't there be a hunger in our lives to experience more, not a doctrine in our lives to tell us why we should be satisfied with less? Maybe the lack's not on God's side. Maybe the lack is on my pursuit, my lifestyle, my hunger, my yieldedness, my consecration. Maybe the Lord hasn't changed at all. In fact, I think the Bible says that. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Maybe, maybe it's something wrong on our side. Maybe we're inviting him to the party, but he's not showing up because there's too many problems in the atmosphere, in the environment, in the, in the, in the group. And he's not feeling at home. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So we've got to start referring to him as a person. Listen to what R.A. Torrey said again. He said, if we think the Holy Spirit, as so many do, as merely a, a power or an influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in a biblical way as a divine person, our thought will instead be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? Now, I think both of those are true. A lot of times we say, Lord, fill me, you know, because he talks about the Bible came upon, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It, the picture is like an empty glass being filled with water and overflowing. I mean, that's a good picture. So I think it's okay during worship. When you, we stand with our arms up, what we're really making is a nice big funnel. That's what I like to make, the widest funnel possible. I mean, you know, if you want a lot, you get a big funnel, all right? You want to catch it all. And obviously the Holy Spirit's not falling like rain or anything like that. But, but the picture is, it's a sign of surrender. And it's a sign saying in, in your heart, Lord, I want more. Lord, fill me. Fill me to overflowing. That's a good prayer. But the other side of that coin is if the Holy Spirit's a person. It's like when I stand at the altar with my wife and we, we share marriage vows, what I'm really saying to her is I'm giving all of me to all of you for as long as I will live. I mean, you know, that's a pretty all-in deal. Salvation's the same way. We say to the Holy Spirit, I've given myself completely to Jesus, and now I'm asking you to take full possession of what rightfully belongs to you. So maybe the issue is greater surrender, greater consecration. And I think as we're talking about hosting the Holy Spirit, it's good to, have you ever done Bible study where you emphasize a certain word, and, and, and you focus on the em emphasis on that word, and it makes the scriptures come alive, all right? Think about the, the Holy Spirit's name, the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm looking at Mr. Daugherty out there. What irritates me? I'm just telling you what irritates me because he's an Ohio State Buckeye fan. Did, did anybody else irritate, irritated by Ohio State Buckeyes? All right. All right, good. A lot of you. All right. Here's what bugs me about Ohio State. You're watching the NFL. The players are introducing themselves, and they, and they tell where they came from. See? That's how obnoxious they are. They're so, Kevin already knew. 
you get to an Ohio State graduate, and this is what he says. I'm from the Ohio State University. I'm like, just shut up. <laughs> the Ohio. But they do that to irritate everybody else, all right? They do that to say, the Ohio State is the most special place to play football and go to school. That's a, you know, they're, they're cocky guys about that stuff. Alabama's the same way, by the way, all you Alabama fans are. But listen, when you talk about the, it sets that person apart as unique, as singular. There's not more, more than one. There's the. Everybody say the. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, how many know that puts him in a place of honor? There are many spirits. There's demonic spirits. There's angelic spirits. There's human spirits. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians, but there is one spirit with a capital S. How many of you know because he is unique, absolutely unique, we have to honor him. Like if, there, if we said the, and fill in the blank, somebody with a big title, is coming to church on Sunday, if, at Living Stones we would stand to our feet and we would honor. And we would focus and we'd make sure we practice the right protocol because that's what you do when royalty comes in. How much more when you're trying to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? He knows whether he has esteem and honor in our hearts or whether we just treat him like common. In fact, look at the Holy Spirit's middle name. I'm joking here, but he's the Holy. Everybody say Holy. Holy Spirit. Now think about what his name could have been. He could have been the Loving Spirit, the, the Wise Spirit. Now he has a, he's the Spirit of Truth. We get there. He's got a lot of names, but, but he's referred to as the Holy Spirit because, listen, holiness runs between all of his other attributes and in, in all of his other attributes. So how many know God's love is a holy love? God's mercy is holy mercy. It's not just run-of-the-mill mercy. It's holy mercy. Everything God does is holy, which speaks of purity, speaks of consecration, speaks of being set apart. How many of you know when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit's job in believers? To make us not just positionally holy, because that's what happens at the cross, but experientially holy, meaning we live godly lives. Aren't you grateful for the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the reason you're sweeter than you were two years ago. You should be. And if you go to a Holy Spirit church, let me tell you what happens. The pastor doesn't have to rail against sin every Sunday to try to preach conviction because what happens when you're at a church full of the Holy Spirit is you realize God is there. Y'all remember what happened in the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira? This is interesting. They got this idea. Ananias got this idea. He said, you know, we're going to sell the property, and, uh, but we're not going to give it all to the church. We're just going to give half of it, but we're going to tell them where, that it's all. Remember that story? Acts, Acts chapter 5. Go ahead and roll that, will you, Skyler? Here it is. There's a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, they sold some property. Praise the Lord. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. So how many of you know it wasn't the amount that he brought? He could have brought whatever. It was his choice. Nobody was making him. But for some reason, he had to make a lie up about the fact that maybe make, make himself look better. I don't know what it was in his heart. Claiming it was full. And his wife consented with the plan. Go to the next one. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Now let me ask you a question. 
Where did he get the information? Who told him? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, this guy's lying. He said, you lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell, as you wished. But after selling it, the money was also yours to give it away. How could you do such a thing? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Now notice, in, in the verse before, it says you lied to the Holy Spirit, and now you just said you lied to God. So guess what? The Holy Spirit is God. And look what happened next. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. And everyone who heard about it was terrified. I mean, you know, that was the church growth strategy for the early church. They weren't focused with making everybody happy. They were focused with making one particular guest very happy. His name was the Holy Spirit. If they could please the Holy Spirit, he would take care of growing the church. Now, this is what it said about the early church. Outsiders were afraid to come. Well, I guess you could you could imagine why. You'd be checking your heart. Like, hey, we didn't make any little white fibs. Anybody have any white fibs this week? Little fibs, big fibs, uh, you know. All right, we all good to go? Before they stepped on the parking lot, they're checking themselves. Now listen, how many of you know I'm grateful that that's not happening right now? But I'll tell you one thing, that's a quick corrective for lying, cheating, and lying, and lying to the Holy Spirit about things that are sacred and holy. So how about this? I've seen this happen. Folks come to church, maybe their personal lives aren't so great. In fact, everybody comes to church in that category, right? And this is what I find happening. If you're living in sexual sin or you're, or you're uh, living with somebody who you're not married to, we welcome you at this church. We want you to come here and worship. But I'll tell you what else. If you're in a church full of the Holy Spirit, eventually the Holy Spirit's going to start tapping you on the shoulder about your personal sex life. But you know the Holy Spirit cares about your sex life. Yeah, he does. You know, the Holy Spirit really cares about a lot of things because his name's Holy, Holy Spirit. And he reveals the heart of Jesus. So you know what I, I, so actually this is a good thing. When you come to church and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't keep living this way. Praise the Lord. I had somebody at one of our starting point classes said this. I'm so grateful we came to this church. This is the first time I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit in years. Now think about that for a minute. What if you had no feeling in your body? If you put, touch something hot, what happens to your hand? It gets ruined because there's no nerves. Conviction is like the nervous system of your body. It's the Holy Spirit letting you know you're touching something that can hurt you. Get away from that. Conviction is a good thing because when God convicts us, it's not to condemn us. We already talked about shame. It's not to condemn us. It's to heal us. And I, and I want to remind you that holy... And happy are synonymous. If you have somebody that's like this, well, we go to one of those churches that's a holiness church. Run. <laughs> because a holiness church that's got no joy is a religious church that's trying to beat everybody into submission and there's no life. A holy church is a joy-filled church. Because the holiness that's being produced in us is coming off of the Holy Spirit's work in us. 
And let me just tell you something. If God tells you that your sex life's not appropriate, it's because his alternative is much better, not that he's trying to tell you not to, he's, he's trying to keep you from legitimate pleasure. Everything that the Bible says is sin is to free us up to experience more, not less. So can I just tell you, I've seen this happen. When the fear of God gets in people and they're sleeping together and they're not married, they look to find the altar as quickly as possible. I could give some names. I won't, but we've got names in here. We did a wedding. Remember, Jerry, there was a wedding that happened on, they said, when would you like to get married? Sunday. This is like Friday when they're calling. <laughs> Sunday. Like this Sunday? Yeah. Right after church. Well, I don't know if we got, well, the say you all are leaving the sanctuary is open. Yeah, this Sunday. Uh, right after church. And, and here's why we did it. That whole thing was driven by the fear of the Lord. And he said, I don't want to keep living this way, and I can't keep living this way. And listen, I want the blessing of God on my life. So get us married. We're getting our family together. Can somebody just perform the ceremony? Listen, we want to be in right standing with God because it matters. Unless you, unless you don't want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, then just do life your way. But I want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. How about you? Let's talk a little bit about the last word here. And let, let, I, I, I make a little comment here. Which, by the way, can you tell this series is going to be very practical? Very practical. Now, some of you came from churches where as soon as you stepped on the grounds, nobody talked to each other. You just walk in. <laughs> walk out. I mean, I'm serious. Nobody greets you. Nobody hugs you. Nobody even acknowledges that you're alive. And here's why we do that. Because we want to be reverent. Come to church. We're reverent. Let me tell you, Jesus' prayer was to bring heaven to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If your church service looks more like a funeral than a celebration, you're doing it wrong. I had a Lutheran friend of mine, no, not hitting on any ex-Lutherans or former Lutherans or current Lutherans, but I had a Lutheran friend of mine who Facebooked me and he says, why do you always... Call your church services a celebration. I was stunned. I said, Jesus rose from the dead, didn't he? He's coming back. Like, we're pretty set. <laughs> like, what are you worried about? Like, it's Sunday. It's when he rose from the dead. Like, what are you, somber? You're upset? You're mad? You're... But here's the point. It's like if you, if, if he goes, oh, you go to one of those happy churches. What other kind are there? <laughs> Come to our church. We're first church of the miserables. You know? but, but let me give you a warning for our church. Like we come here, we're not quiet. Oh, I mean, sometimes between services, it takes like a, a song or two to get everybody settled down because you're, you're colliding with the first group and there's this beautiful holy collision hugs, laughing and woo. And, and here's the deal. I used to think when I was religious that it was really offending God that people were actually laughing while one of the songs was being sung. Like God's going, stop it. Sing to me now. Quit hugging on each other. You're in church. You're not supposed to be happy in church. You're supposed to worship me. I mean, you know, that couldn't be farther from the truth. But here's what else. Like, during worship, we should not be like, 
checking out to see if the White Sox won last night, um, checking our Facebook. In other words, here's my point. Like when, when the worship starts, it should be like this. And our hearts are like focused on one thing. Amen. Not in a religious way, but in a hosting the Holy Spirit way. Like, like this is why we've come. I love all these people, but like right now, I want to give my undivided attention on Jesus. I want to I want to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit goes, man, I can't, this is, I, I believe this Holy Spirit, this is my favorite part of the service. Why? Because we're magnifying the greatness of God. And then we set the table for the word to come forth. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So all I'm saying is like, it's not the time to run out and go, go potty 14 times during the service, you know, like young people. It's not the time to go wee-wee. Um, trying to speak at a level you guys understand, all right? In other words, do all that before the service so that you're undivided in your focus on the Lord. Not because we're some reverent, you know, mad group that's going to whack you on the knuckles or something if you're not singing loud enough, but because, you know what, we're trying to all together to, to be moving in the same way. We're, we're wanting to host what God's doing. We want to welcome His presence here. Does that make sense? All right, let me end with this. The Holy Spirit's last name is Spirit, all right? Now, this is important because a spirit is not contained by a body. A spirit does not have any form. God is a spirit. The cool thing is Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign on planet Earth, a renewed Earth, in his glorified body with the scars still on it, at least some of them. Um, and I'm grateful for that because I'm not a spirit being. I am a physical being with a body. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? So I'm glad there's going to be somebody huggable. I'm glad I'm going to be able to look into the face of Jesus and see the, the, the glory of the Father. But God the Father is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. Now, this is good news because that means he is not containable. And can I just tell you, one of the ways that you cause him to leave your church is when you try to control him. You're a control freak. You want him to act a certain way when, when he's at church. I think about how silly this is. We want the whole, how many of you ever prayed, you brought someone to a church like ours, and you, and you were really saying, Holy Spirit, can you please behave today? Because I don't want, <laughs> I don't want anything crazy to happen. <laughs> I got you guys. Well, just think about it. Like, if you invited someone over to your house, and they went to sit down, and they, oh, don't, you don't, don't sit in that chair, that, 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 that's not your chair, that, that, that's grandma's chair, right? Oh, don't, don't, don't touch that. Uh, that, that's just for looks. Uh, don't, 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 that's just, that, that's just, that's just for looks. Yeah. Oh, we don't, we, we don't do that here. We don't do that here uh, in our house. I mean, you know, they'd, they'd be like, they wouldn't know what to do, and they would run out the door. So we come to church, right? We invite the Holy Spirit to church, and they say, well, well, well that's not part of our tradition. We, we don't do that here. <laughs> Please. You're not really welcome. Well, we don't really believe that you do that at our church anymore, that you stop doing that with apostles. How do you know the best way to quench the Holy Spirit is just keep telling them what he can't do when the whole conce conception of a spirit is, have you ever heard of the topic or the, the word free spirit? That person's a free spirit. That means that they're just a party waiting to happen. Okay, so the Holy Spirit's a party waiting to happen. He loves to touch people. He loves to, one time P Peter was preaching and the Holy Spirit baptized everybody before Peter got done with his sermon. And he said, uh, normally I give the altar call and we baptize people, but the Holy Spirit just showed up. And Because when you look at the movement of the Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament, you realize he, he doesn't fit formulas. 
And here's what I love about the Holy Spirit. He could be touching Lynn, and her, maybe she just starts laughing because she's getting healed of something, a deep wound in her heart. And right next to her, Roger, he might be broken with some areas of, of shameful things in his life where he's saying, God, would you please forgive me, or God, would you heal me? So he's weeping. She's laughing. Someone over here is just dancing for joy, and it's all happening in the same place. And religious people go, stop laughing. This is church. Be reverent. How many of you know when you've been living under a spirit of depression all your life and God rocks you and you're happy for the first time in your life and you might be inordinately happy, like <laughs> loud, like giggle, loud, loud happy in church, that we shouldn't shame that behavior. We should celebrate that behavior because remember this, my experience is not the template for what the Holy Spirit wants to do or doesn't want to do. So you can't say, well, I never, well, it never happened to me before. So what? I'm not God, and neither are you. Since when did our experience become the template for what the Lord normally does? Sounds kind of prideful to me. Sounds kind of confining to me. Sounds like I'm trying to put the Holy Spirit into my box when he's trying to get me out of all the boxes. Is this making sense to anybody? So... If we want to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way, we've got to have a lot more freedom for him to move. Which is why, I can tell you, the clock's killing me because right now we're not in that season, at least on Sunday morning. But guess what? How many of you are here when Ivan Tate was here? He's coming in about three weeks. We had a Sunday night meeting and a Monday night meeting. And guess what? We're here and we're just saying, Holy Spirit, have your way. Alicia, where's Alicia? I saw you here. Alicia Bobby. No, that's my daughter, Alicia. Maybe she was there first service. She was there for first. That's all running together. Her very first time in this church was last year when Ivan Tate was here, and the Holy Spirit called her out, and he prophesied over her life and absolutely read her mail, and God rocked her, and that woman has experienced more freedom in one year than in the previous 30 or 40 years of her life because that's what the Holy Spirit does. So we want to be open to letting the Holy Spirit move and touch people, and then we want to celebrate what God's doing. One more story. We had a woman that came up one time. We had altar ministry going on. God's touching people, and this woman just got delivered, and she let out a shriek. You know what shrieks are? I won't replicate it. It was like, wow! I mean, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. Did it make me feel comfortable? No. It scared me. I mean, a little bit. I was a little bit used to it. But how I many of you know you don't like hear that stuff in church? But the reason that happened was because she just got delivered. So on the good-bad scale, from God's perspective, was that good or was that bad? That was good. But you know what? Religious people got offended. And when I followed up with them and I said, what's up? Well, I want to be able to bring my friends to a church where I'm comfortable. Now, now think about what we just said. A woman just got touched by the Holy Spirit and delivered. I think that's why Jesus came. But religious people, that makes them uncomfortable. And they want to bring their friends to a church where they're never uncomfortable. Can I just tell you, you just kiss the Holy Spirit's presence in your life goodbye. Because you care more about your comfortability than you do about Jesus setting people free. I'm, I'm, just some food for thought. 
So listen, when we talk about hosting the Holy Spirit, I'm just telling you, how much do we really want Him to come? How much do we really want to let Him have rule and reign over our hearts? How much do we really want to see the power of God? How much are we willing to let Him upset the apple cart? Let me tell you something. There are some people in here, man, you love revival, and you love moves of God, and then when God comes in a new way, you're like, that ain't God. Because back in 32, back in 32... People were at the altar, and it didn't look like that. Well, we're not in 32. And God's God. And you look at the fruit, and you look at what he's doing, and and here's what you look at all the time. Has that person's experience with God produced transformation in their life that you can see? Transformation, the proof is in the pudding. Does that person love Jesus? Are they pursuing the Lord? Are they walking in purity more than before that to happen to them? Or is it just a religious experience again that's meaningless? Does it make sense to everybody? So, so how about this? We're going to honor him because he's the Holy Spirit. We're going to, he's the Holy Spirit, so we're going to make sure we let him transform our lives and we're different on the inside. Can I just tell you, we cannot have a powerful move of God if half the men in our church are still struggling and addicted to pornography. We cannot have a powerful move of God if half the church is living in unforgiveness. That's because he's the Holy Spirit, and he's, he's messing with us. So many times before there's a fresh visitation, the Lord has to deal with what's the junk in our hearts. Can I tell you something? The reason we preached on shame leading up to the series on the Holy Spirit is so we can receive the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives with our heads lifted high. How many of you know it's so much better to come with a clean heart in worship than with your head hanging because you're still battling with something that's got a hold of you? Now, please hear me. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm wooing you to let the Holy Spirit have more of you. I'm wooing you to say yes to the Lord. I'm wooing you to choose joy. And then I'm wooing you, let's not put constraints on what God wants to do. I mean, you know, it is a strange thing for a man who's never met a woman in his life to be listening to the Holy Spirit, to call her out and to speak something over her life that is exactly true and there's no way he had the natural knowledge of that because the Holy Spirit in him and because of his consecration to God, and because of the gift of God on, on his life, he's learned to move and hear and minister in the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you know that's available for all of us at some measure? But it has to be cultivated. When I see that, and I see a woman begin to cry, and I see her radically transformed, in my heart I go, Lord, I want more of you. Because I want to be able to release more of the Holy Spirit into the lives of other people. I want, I want to see people set free. I want, to, I want to have those stories of God encounters where we hear and we obey and then God does great stuff. This is our inheritance, church. This is what, we, this is what Christ died to give us. The Holy Spirit, our best friend. So now here's what we're going to do. We're going to be on a journey over the next few weeks on what it looks like to cultivate that, not only individually, but corporately. Amen? How we walk with him personally, day to day, and learn to be sensitive to him, and then how we come together as God's people 
with an expectation that the Lord is moving. How many of you have sensed in our worship the water levels rising, right? Where, where there's a, you know, what I love about you all is when we come on Sunday morning, it's not like we got to warm you up. Man, you hit the first note, you guys are ready to, you're like wild stallions, man, breaking out of the, uh, of the gate at the, at the race, all right? I love, I mean, you know, that pleases the Lord because we're ready to worship. There's life, there's the presence of Jesus. But how many of you know we're just starting? There's so much more, so much more, so much more God wants to do. Can anybody believe that there's going to be a great revival in this region and in the nation? Come on. People coming, stories. One last thing. Man, I'm out of time. Mm. You will not be here in the two years. We'll not be staring at you. How many of you know Matt Moskalik? Comes to the third service right over here. Got his hair pulled back, got a beard. Big guy, loves the Lord. He pulled the tendon, bicep tendon off of his arm, lifting something, and it shot all the way up. You know how that works, and it was all in a dander up there. He came to our discipleship group like this. He couldn't move his arm, but he said, I would be hurting at home, and I might as well hurt with you guys. So he came on out. We had some foot washing that night uh, over the Easter time. He got down, and it hurt his arm to go this way. But he washed that, that brother's foot. The next day was Friday night. He came out here for Good Friday. Of course, we focus on the agony of Jesus on the cross. And he said this. I love the way he's thinking. And all that Jesus did for me and all the pain and agony he went through, I'm going to worship him irregardless of how my arm feels. And he lifted his arm over his head, and God healed his arm. His arm, his arm right here is purple and yellow and nasty and discolored. And he went in for an MRI the next day, and the doctor said that there's nothing there. Now, his, his wife can tell you his bicep was curled all the way up into his armpit. But when he lifted his arms to worship, God touched him. Now, again, that's crazy awesome. And I don't know about you, but I would like to have more of that than less of that. What about you guys? I'd like to have more of that than less of that. So I'm just telling you there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. And God knows our nation needs more. And the church needs more. So stand to your feet. Let me bless you guys. Come on, let's get our, let's get our, uh, our siphon up, our, our whatever that is. I got my arms out wide. I want to I catch as much as I can. Lord, take us. We yield to you. Holy Spirit, come and take greater possession of all of us in this room. Lord, lead us into greater dimensions of your power and your glory. Father, have your way with our church. Do crazy, awesome things, Lord, for your glory in this region. Use us as living stones to be a part of something special. And Father, we just ask you, teach us, even as we leave here, to listen and to have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love you, we honor you. Teach us to do it more and more. And teach us to let you flow out of us, Lord, to touch people and to bring your blessing into the lives of people that we encounter this week. We honor you, Lord, and we, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Hey, if you need prayer, come on down, all right? We'd love to pray for you.